Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's gospel, we have that classic and that great parable, the Good Samaritan. Now, most of us know pretty much what the story is all about. In fact, many would argue of all the parables that Jesus taught, this was probably one of the best known. And why not? You see, the Good Samaritan throughout our society, hospitals are named Good Samaritan. We have a law that's named the Good Samaritan Law. And so, we all know this story is about helping someone in need. Well, yeah, that's true, but take it to a deeper spiritual level. This is one of the greatest parables that Jesus ever taught because of the spiritual depth of it. See, the early church fathers saw this. The early church fathers like Irenaeus, Origen, Athanasius, Augustine, they all saw that in this parable, is the story of the fall, the fall of grace, and God's plan of redemption to redeem us all back to him. That's why this parable of the Good Samaritan has such incredible spiritual depth and width. Therefore, we must tend to it very carefully. How does it begin? A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Well, this man is literally descending from one city to another. Jerusalem, remember, it's built on top of Mount Sinai and, and therefore is probably one of the highest places in all of Israel. Jericho is just the opposite. It's probably one of the lowest places in all of Israel. It's a couple hundred feet below sea level. In fact, it's right next to the Dead Sea. The journey from Jerusalem to Jericho is about 17 miles. I know, I traveled that road many times when I lived in Israel. The descent from Jerusalem to Jericho is about 3,000 feet. So it is somewhat of a steep descent. The road that you travel on is filled with many twists and turns, many switchbacks. So we can only imagine that at any given turn or corner, there was probably thieves or marauders or kidnappers or killers waiting to pounce on unexpected travelers. Now, the other thing that you have to understand, within Jerusalem is the Holy Temple, and that's where the Israelites believed the presence of God was. Therefore, Jerusalem stands as a friend to God. Jerusalem is God's holy city. But notice, this man is leaving this holy city, and he's traveling down to Jericho. Now, Jericho has a notorious reputation. It's referred to as Sin City. Even from the very moment in which Joshua conquered Jericho as the Israelites moved into the Promised Land, Jericho was always notorious for sin. Bad things happened in Jericho. You didn't want to go there. And yet, that is exactly where this man is going. He is leaving God's holy city. 
and he's descending down into Jericho. The symbolism here, Jerusalem represents righteousness, a right relationship with God. It represents the well-ordered soul. But this man is leaving it, and now he's descending down to Jericho. Jericho here symbolizes sin, the improperly functioning soul. See, this is exactly what the early church fathers saw. This man represents all of humanity, falling victim to sin. From the very beginning with Adam and Eve, and it continued on for centuries and centuries on end. That's why immediately we are drawn into this story. We can identify with this man. Notice it says he fell victim to robbers. Well, this is exactly what sin does to us. It robs us. It robs us of our sense of inner peace. It robs us of being Christ-centered. It robs us of the well-ordered soul. Next, it says they stripped, beat him, and left him half dead. Well, sin doesn't completely kill us. No, instead it beats us up and leaves us half dead. I often give you that quote from St. Irenaeus, in which he says, God is glorified when the human being is fully alive. Well, sin prevents us from being fully alive. See, this is a great spiritual picture of what the devastating effects sin has upon us. It leaves us lost, beaten up, half dead. Next in the story, it says, A priest happened to be going down the road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Now, these men represent the religious establishment of the time. Now, if there's anyone that should help this man, it should be these two priests. But they don't. Not only do they see the man and not render help, but they go to the opposite side of the road to cross. That's pretty cold, isn't it? Well, what they're doing is they're adhering to the strict Jewish purity laws. If you were a Jew and you touched a dead body, you would render yourself ritualistically impure. Therefore, you cannot go to the synagogues or even the temple to worship. You cannot go to the marketplace for fear that you would touch someone else and make them ritualistically impure. See, that's why these men are staying as far away from this man as possible. More to it, notice their direction. They are going down too. What's the implication? We're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. We can't will or save ourselves from sin. Next it says, A Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. Now, it's important for us to know something about these Samaritans. The Jews considered Samaritans half-breeds, outsiders. Now, the Samaritans originally were Israelites. Remember back in the time in which the Babylonians conquered the Israelites? They took many of the Israelites off into slavery to live in Babylon. But that what they took were people who had skills, physicians, farmers, builders, engineers, People who didn't have any skills were left behind. Now, these Israelites that were left behind essentially intermarried with Gentiles, and that's how they became Samaritans. See, this is the reason why the Jews hate the Samaritans. They see them as half-breeds. Likewise, the Samaritans hate the Jews. But notice, this is a Samaritan helping this man. This man is probably a Jew. Why? 
because he came from Jerusalem, God's holy city. And now the Samaritan is helping this man. The early church fathers saw in the Samaritan that he represented Jesus Christ. Think of it. Jesus Christ, one could say, is a half-breed. He is fully divine and fully human. He was considered an outsider, just like the Samaritan, you know, throughout his entire ministry. At the very end of his life, like the Samaritans, he was hated by all people. More to it, Jesus, like the Samaritan, has looked upon our world with a great deal of compassion. Jesus, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, looked upon our half-dead world, half-dead because of sin, and they had a great deal of compassion for us all. That's why they were compelled to act, to redeem us. Now notice, the man gets down his horse and comes to the victim. Well, doesn't Jesus do the same thing for us? He comes down from heaven, stripping himself of all of his glory and majesty, again, compelled out of compassion, just like the Samaritan. Next, it says, he approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Oil and wine. That's good. Very good. It points to the sacraments, doesn't it? We use oil in baptism, confirmation, anointing of the sick, and holy orders. The sacraments help us to participate in the life of Christ. In the sacraments, they grab us and draw us into that Trinitarian life that we now share with God. Wine represents the Eucharist, in which we drink in Jesus' blood. See, the early church fathers saw that Christ pours his sacraments into us. And in doing so, he heals our wounds, wounds that have been caused by our own sin. Now, these wounds have many different forms, hatred, selfishness, bearing grudge, whatever it is. We are wounded in many different ways. But the key is that Jesus, he pours the sacraments onto our wounds just like the Samaritan does to the victim. And in doing so, now we are healed by Christ. Next, it says, Then he lifted him up on his own animal and took him to an inn and cared for him. Well, when we are healed by Christ, we are lifted up, aren't we? Now we are fully alive because we share a life in Christ. That's why Christ once said, Come to me, all who are weary and find life burdensome. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. When we are yoked to Christ, when we share a life with Christ, that's when we are fully alive. That's when we are raised up. Now, next in the story, the man, he gives two coins to the innkeeper and he says to him, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Now, there are many different titles that we give Jesus Christ. One of the titles that we give Christ is Redeemer. Well, that word in Latin is redeemere, which means to buy back. Sin, it leaves us beaten. It leaves us half dead. It also holds us hostage. It ransoms us. You know, that's why in Advent, we sing that classic song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Well, we are ransomed by our own sin. But it's Christ who pays the price. Christ, he pays our ransom 
through his death and resurrection, he literally buys us back. That's why we are redeemed people, redeemed through our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. One last thing. The Samaritan has this arrangement with the innkeeper that the innkeeper will care for this victim and he will heal them as long as he stays with him. Well, that's great, isn't it? This inn represents the church. Only in the church can we find the sacraments. Only in the church can Christ pour those sacraments upon our wounds. And only in the church can Christ heal our wounds such that now we are fully alive. Now we truly can share a life with Christ. Now nothing holds us back. And see, that's what's the beauty of this great parable. The early church fathers saw it, and now we can see it too. Friends, I strongly encourage you to take some time this week. Read and pray over this great parable. This is a story of us. This is a story all about us and our redemption by God. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.